There's an old adage in sports that there's nothing worse than a bad owner. And you see, there's a tragedy happening in the northeast of England. Some deluded fans, some deluded Geordie faithful, think that they're a top six side, that they can compete with the big boys, that they, they have the money and the means to hang with their betters. You see, they just expect too much. Mike Ashley is investing. He's done so much for the club, having bought it in 2007. And when they didn't want him, well, he's been trying to sell. He just can't find the money he's looking for. You see, Mike Ashley is trying to be your friend. He's trying to be your best friend. He's trying to do whatever it is that you want to hear. You see, there's a horror movie happening in the northeast of England. Looking through the rear window of Newcastle United shows you an invisible man, always there, looming large over the club, and yet never there when support is needed. A billionaire owner who aims to make more, pillaging any culture in his path. A cartoon villain, but without any jokes or comeuppance. You see... Something is happening in the northeast of England. Something that I think we should look at. Because it's important to sports. And it's important to what's happening in the world. This is the gaslighting of Newcastle United. Now, a story like this can start in many different places. We can start with... What Newcastle United is, it's a football club in the northeast of England, in the city, Newcastle-upon-Tyne. And it's got a city center stadium. It's a beloved institution, really the only team in town. That's not quite it. I mean, we can, we can talk about when it was founded. 1892, it's very old with a lot of history. But that's not, not quite the start I'm looking for. I had mentioned that Mike Ashley took over the club in 2007, but I hadn't mentioned any of the context around it. You see, Newcastle United had been in European competition every year since 1994, and in 2007 they lost on away goals uh, to a Dutch team, which is really only important because they've only been back once since Mike Ashley took over the team. And I feel like that's getting closer. That's, that's getting closer to what I'm trying to say here. You see, Newcastle United is an important football club. It's important to the sport. It's important to me. And it's important to an entire city. And it's all held hostage by one billionaire owner. Now I kind of want to get into that. Maybe that's where we'll start. Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley is worth $2.6 billion. What do you think about that, Paul? $2.6 billion? $2.6 billion U.S. dollars. I like money. <laughs> I, li I like money. He's, yeah, so, I mean, he's one of the, you know, richest owners in all of sports. He's, you know... 
he's he has plenty of capital and plenty of um, business ventures and things on the outside that make him a lot of money, and he has a club that you know regularly should produce a ton of revenue for him if you know well, if working properly. Yeah, speaking of that club, uh, Forbes listed as the twenty twentieth most like valuable soccer team in the world. Newcastle 20th. United. Twentieth. Really? Yes. So they would get relegated to the second division. They go uh, go to the championship. Of of, uh, of the richest teams in the world. Yeah, yeah, they get relegated. I mean that's I'm that's still I would take it. I would take being in the in the championship of the richest teams in the world. I mean but you I mean being in the, the Premier League of it is kind of amazing. I mean it just right. also shows the power of the club if it's if it you know, with even when it's not being um, run as successfully as possible as good as it could possibly you know um, it's fascinating that's kind of fascinating to me you know um, so it's the 20th you know most valuable soccer team in the world right now yeah. as as said by Forbes what if I told you that about someone who could drink a go um, they were the fifth most profitable soccer team in the world uh, that's a little shocking. Yeah. Fifth. They, 1999, right? 1999. They were second only behind the economic juggernaut that is Manchester United. In England, right? In, in England, England yeah. 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 That's, that's absurd. You look at where the club is now, where there's, there's no investment in their training facilities, and it was, I think... As of 2018, and it has changed in the last two years, they had spent on average 2.5 million under Mike Ashley's reign from 2007 to 2018. They spent on average, on average with coming ins and going outs, they spent on average 2.5 million dollars a year. 2.5 million a year. A year. A year. That is, so you want to know, I actually looked it up on uh, Transfer Marked. You want to know who's worth $2.5 million? Andy Carroll. You can get yourself one 35-year-old Andy Carroll for $2.5 million. Don't Every worry. Year. You get, Every year. You'd have a team of Andy Carroll. <laughs> a team a team of Andy Carroll. A team of 35-year-old Andy Carrolls. Yes, uh, broken down Andy Carroll. Sadly, he's more fit now than he was when he was in his <laughs> 20s. I shouldn't say that. It sounds so mean. That was what I meant by it. <laughs> no, it's not It's not that bad. I mean, Andy Carroll has, like, we'll, we'll cut the guy some slack, had some horrible injury luck. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you we could have a whole starting 11 of, Andy, of 35-year-old Andy Carrolls um, and, until 2018. And now that has changed. Um to about, they've spent about 17% of the money that you get for just existing in the Premier League mm -hmm. uh, in the last four years. So right. it's been about $120 million on right. uh, on players coming in, um, which is which is good. That is investment. Some investment. That yeah. is 17% investment. I would say compared to a lot of the other teams that exist in... <laughs> <laughs> the club world now that's uh, a pittance even compared and especially for a club like Newcastle which is considered to be one of the top clubs in 
in all of Europe still, even despite the fact that they're struggling, it's a it's very little investment. Twentieth, twentieth in the world. Twentieth <laughs> in the world. They're twentieth yep. in the world. They're that. Yeah. Do you want to list off a bunch of uh, clubs that are uh, equal to them in the table uh, and how much they have spent in the last few years? Oh, uh, I mean, there's uh, yes, uh, Everton. Um, there's two teams actually, Everton and West Ham. Now West Ham, um, West Ham is probably more pertinent to the Newcastle side of things. Um, West Ham has spent a very similar amount of money to you over the past four years. They're playing well right now. They're fifth in the league as of March twenty, March the March twenties uh, <laughs> in twenty twenty one. But they are. Um, they have had their ups and downs as well. I mean, last year after the restart, they they were very close to being relegated. I mean, it took them; they had to go on a little winning streak towards the end and beat Watford a couple other teams to stay up. Um, um, and I'm not sure if that's you know where that starts. If that's the, I mean, the ownership is uh, there's something to be desired, much like at Newcastle. Um, there seems to be some. Some more care there than at Newcastle. Who knows? Um, well, it's actually really interesting. They struggled last year at the end of last year, and then um, they only spent ten million this year. So they must have seen something. They've gone. They've found it. They've been very good. At, they've uh, invested wisely recently. Yeah, I would say that uh, David Moyes has been a very astute um, buyer of players. He's got people yeah. in the right places right now. I mean, he brought in uh, Sioux Fall and um, Suchek and a couple other players, and they've kind of transformed that team. And he's brought in uh, Ben Rama and um, even uh, just recently with uh, Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard's got five goals in seven games. He's been on fire. <laughs> right. You know, he's been great. But, uh, like, leading on, the going back to the Newcastle thing is, you know, it, it really shows when a couple, when owners don't necessarily care about the full investment of the team it despite them moving West Ham moving to a new stadium there's they have had a lot of problems since moving there mm -hmm. it's not um, been straightforward mm -hmm. you know the stadium has not been a great fit for the fans there the fans are I mean they, they were in a stadium that was like tightly packed for a hundred years mm -hmm. and now they move into this the opposite of that I mean the London Stadium is a, a it's Olympic Stadium. It's a track. It has a huge track on the outside. You know, they did build a section of seats that pull out to get it closer to the stadium, but it's still miles away. And if you're sitting in the back row, you're barely seeing the game to begin with. You might as well be watching it on the TV. Um, but it, with comparison to Newcastle, um, I would say that West Ham seems to have more, more, a little bit more care, a little more wherewithal as to what they want to do to make the club better. Would you say that they have spent money on on getting better, getting the side better, yeah. right? So, 70 million of the 120 million that uh, Newcastle has spent in yeah. the last four years are on uh, two players. Yeah. Um, I, I promise I like him. Uh, Joel Linton... Uh, who was 22 at the time of the deal, mm -hmm. and uh, Alan St. Maximin, who is currently 23, and I believe he was 22, 21 mm -hmm. when he was uh, 
when he was signed by Newcastle. Um, now, the cynic in me and the Newcastle United fan um, knows that they were bought to be sold. They oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely were bought so that that transfer fee would go up. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that that's not necessarily a problem either. I mean, there are a lot of clubs in the world who do that and are very successful at that. Look right. at Ajax, look at... Um, um, uh, Leicester's a great example. Le- yes. Um, trying to think who else is a great example of that. Um, Southampton is generally a pretty good example. They stay up. They do okay. They're, you know, they they end up selling their players for good profit. They that's how they kind of survive. Um, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of them that have done it in the past. Borussia Dortmund is excellent in it. You're talking about a team who has a bunch of youth players that are. That well, is specifically their business model. <laughs> but, but I mean, but it, right. it's, I mean, they're always they finish second yeah. every year in the Bundesliga. Yeah. You know, second or third, they're never not in the, the you know the in the top three or four. And I mean, obviously, it's a different league, and you know they have a pedigree that not maybe that Newcastle doesn't have, but they yeah. they've made it work and they've scouted talent to like the nth degree to make sure it is excellent. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, we will absolutely have to do a uh, a, a podcast on their business model because. Yeah turning themselves into, hey, if you're the best 17 or 18-year-old anyone has ever seen, come here and you'll get us $100 million when you go play for Real, Real Madrid is uh, is really interesting, and more teams should try that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like, it's very interesting to see, you know, it can be done, you know, and I actually think some of, like, what Newcastle were, were you know, the start of it was great, but I don't... You know, there has to be a full commitment to it. Uh, and I think sometimes it, everything looks a little scattershot when you go from, you know, buying a couple of great little youth players to then buying a bunch of older veterans who may or may not be past it, who may or may not uh, may or may not want to play for their club, you know, um, on so a regular basis. And the, the other problem that comes into play is... Uh... Do you know who Adam Armstrong is? Who's Adam Armstrong? Who, who is Adam Armstrong? Adam Armstrong is... Oh, my God. So, Adam Armstrong is uh, a center-forward striker. He plays for uh, Blackburn Rovers mm-hmm. um, in the championship right now. He uh, Newcastle sold him for a song. He's only 22, uh, and he is... I mean, it is the championship, but he scored 19 goals so far this year. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to bring in these these youth players um, and then try to sell them for more money, why are you letting your own youth players leave? Right. Um, basically for, for nothing, you know? And he couldn't have gotten a chance if you're going to try. He's English. Like, they sell for Boku bucks if you make them into something. Like... It's, it is just interesting that they have like a weird, they, they never quite know what they want, specifically with like, with this particular instance. Yeah, I was thinking too, like you have, you've bought um, Jamal Cells, you bought, um, mm-hmm. you have the, oh, what are the brothers? Um, oh, the Longstaff brothers. The Longstaff Maddie brothers. Maddie and Sean. Yeah, they brought, they were brought through the academy. Mm-hmm. Um I'm just trying to think some other young Isaac players. Hayden. I Isaac Hayden. I think we Hayden. bought him. You bought him from Arsenal. He was, yeah. but he was a young player. He was yeah. what, 21 or something when he first came. I, he out? might have been younger. You know, like he's young. He was a young player. I mean, there was this concept, but I don't think it was ever fully developed, so that you could 
possibly, and you didn't have the right, like management has also been a problem, like bringing the right managers in to actually develop talent. You know, if, if why people are so upset at Steve Bruce isn't necessarily because of the fact that they, they don't know who he is. They do. What the bigger problem is, is that he's not a match for what the bigger, um, you know, the bigger issues of the club that are going on. Like, if the club are going to invest in young players, don't bring Steve Bruce in to develop the young players. Because Steve Bruce is going to try to survive in the Premier League. That right. Those things don't mesh. You right. know, if you're trying to just be a night, like, develop 19, 20, 21 year olds and sell them on for a bigger fee find a younger coach who wants to develop players. Right, who wants to do that. You know, like Graham Potter would have been a better choice as Newcastle manager than Steve Bruce. You know, like Graham Potter, maybe Graham Potter would have failed at Newcastle and would have been relegated, but at least there would have been this clear plan in place to develop young talent to make it better. You know, even at Brighton right now, Brighton are, you know, in a similar spot to Newcastle. They're not doing great this year. They've been one of the most... They actually are the most unfortunate team in the Premier League this year. They probably should be like ninth or 10th, but they are where they are. And there is something to be said about the fa- the way that they play, and they are developing young talent. They have some veterans involved in it now. They mm-hmm. bought in, brought in um, Welbeck and um, Adam Lallana and things like that. Yeah. And it has helped them quite a bit, but he's slowly blooding in some of these players here and there. Like... Goalkeeping wise, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan was a goalkeeper for the last three years. It was pretty solid for the most part. They decided to go youth. They had mm-hmm. two or three young goalkeepers. They're like, no, we're going to start this now. We're just going to let this go. We're going to figure out how it works, and we're going to move on from there. Um, you know, like they've got they've they've had some young defenders. Uh, ben White went on loan to Leeds last year because he wasn't getting playing time at Brighton. This year, he's a starter. Yeah. He's been a starter all year. And he's been very good for them. They actually let some like, some of their veterans go, like. Um, Oh, man, there's a couple. Um, Glenn, he's a striker. They let him go. He's like 35, 36. Um, they were like, nope, we're just going to let him go. We're going to figure something else out. And then they let go of a defender recently. And they found out that defender is not very good. <laughs> like, not anymore, at least. They figured yeah. out, like, you know, he's not he's not up to, up to par anymore. I, uh, I do want to point out one more name that had come through Newcastle United. And it is a bit of a... Different scenario. Do you know who uh, Mikel Marino is? He's uh, he is currently starring at Real Sociedad. Yes, and he has gotten some caps for the Spanish national team. Uh, he is currently valued at forty-four million euros, um, which is a lot. And he has been very, very, very good. Uh, do you want to know how much Newcastle sold him for? How much did he sell him for? 12 mil. 12 mil. Yeah. 12 mil. Uh, they had bought him for, for seven. He played a Premier League season with us at uh, 22, 23 years of age. And, uh, and then they immediately sold him because he was homesick and also the coach he liked uh, quit. Um... So, that's that really sums it up, man. Like, it's hard. It's hard to project these players, but also, you can't keep missing on these players. You don't. I don't think you know the thing. I think the thing is, it's what is more is that the 
the idea that there aren't they don't have a coach or a person in place who like whose main goal it is is to develop to develop the talent that's there or develop talent there's always going to be a coach who's trying to survive instead and you know what maybe this would be bad for a couple of years so like maybe you're trying to develop talent you go down but you come back up the next year and then you actually have a stronger team to build for the future seasons but that doesn't that's not happening you're you're begging me to do this aren't you what what if i told you we had a world-class coach who was looking for a long-term project oh, no. i understand that i understand yeah i understand rafa i understand that and here's the thing is that it was there that i i, I understand that <laughs> but here's the thing is that rafa rafa wanted his ego petted too Mm, mm. You know, like there's also. I mean, yes, I mean, yes. <laughs> you know, and I don't. I understand that when you become a coach of that stature, mm-hmm. you know, like I mean, and he was at a club actually similar to his stature in a way. You know, Newcastle uh, of like Newcastle of what it like. We're talking about should, but Newcastle has that sort of stature in the game. Right. It you is know, still like, one of the most well-known clubs in the world. Yeah, actually. and actually, if if run more if run properly it would be a proper destination for club people to go to on a yes. regular basis now st james park is amazing that's my shout out it is it's a beautiful stadium <laughs> you if you ever have a chance to go watch a game there you should because it's amazing um but they i would say that they i the investment should be in a younger coach who has an idea of how to to like has a style of play and wants to you know develop young players to produce to sell you know Brendan Rodgers has been great at it. I know that he's not going to be available for something like that, but they need something of that ilk and style who's like just going to take things by the the reins and and control from the start. You know, even Marcelo Bielsa, like he doesn't he's not, he's a guy, you know, like we love Bielsa here. Yeah, Bielsa is another guy who's kind of that way. Um, I love I love the numbers around Leeds right now. Yeah, it's a crazy. I mean, they they're the, the amount of goals they score, the amount of goals they give up. They're super entertaining. Um, they're slowly becoming a better squad, and they have a lot of young players who want to play. He's got some veterans in there, too, but he's yeah. got a lot of youngsters, like 22, 23, yeah. 24. Yeah. This is all of the noise about things that could happen, what should happen at Newcastle, and none of it will. And there's a really, really, really simple reason why. Mike Ashley. And, actually, yeah. and, I mean, you reach a point where you start looking at him like, do you, do you just, do you hate us? What's, what's going on with this? Like, you could, you could easily have more money. If you, and I get it, it's a risk-reward thing, and uh, this is where we talk about his investments. You said it very, very accurately earlier. Um, do you, you want to say it again about the kind of, uh, the kind of brands that Mike Ashley buys? All right. So Mike Ashley has, has been, you know, over the last few years buying a lot of these, um, you call them, you know, high street up, upscale brands. But the reason why he's buying them is because a lot of them have gone either belly up or are doing really poorly. And what he thinks he can do is turn those things from diamond dogs into um, true value, which is understandable as an investor. That actually makes can make some sense because if he turns this name that used to be a huge deal from something crap to something amazing, I mean, it only will in time. Um, 
you know, if it turns out to be a big thing, will only triple, quadruple your investment. But the thing with Mike Ashley is he has these really clever ideas, but he never fully follows through with them. He never, like, goes to the point of actually um, taking the time and investing in it properly. It's much like his Newcastle thing, you know? Like, he had, there's this idea, like, he got to hire Rafa Benitez, right? Who <laughs> right. has a legitimate plan in place to bring the team back to its glory. And instead of actually spending that time and doing that, he's it's always little nitpicks here and there and pulling away from what the real project should be about and spending a little bit of extra money here and there. I'm, I'm assuming it wouldn't be a ton of money. I think it was Just, Solomon Rondon, honestly. It was some of that, yeah, <laughs> sure. 18 million or Whatever, something. Whatever, but, yeah. like, you know, like, you tell Rafa Benitez, like, okay, Rafa, I want you to build a youthful squad that will play your game. Mm-hmm. Fine. Then he Rafa can go, fine, then I need the money to do it. And he goes, yep. well, I don't know, you know, I can get you these veteran players that are kind of okay. And then he's like, well, we do want to do the youth movement still, too. And he's like, wait a second, what do you want to do? Because I do think Newcastle should be that one of those like six or seven clubs, mm-hmm. but what they're doing is building and sending those players either mm-hmm. to the top of Spain, the top of Germany, whatever, and, mm-hmm. and moving forward that way. Because they can be a competitive team and should be in Europe. They should have 50,000 people at on Thursday nights or Wednesday nights, you know, going to a Champions League game from time to time. The uh, the rumored the rumored things were uh, Rafa didn't want to sign Joel Linton for forty million, um, and uh, Rafa wanted investment in actually the youth infrastructure, like the the youth training fields. And yeah, stuff like, like the that. training. He wanted yeah. a new training facility, right? Yeah. That was like a big thing. Too, that was though. that was like the biggest thing was we need new training grounds, which. I mean, any any of one of these world class coaches that comes into these teams, because like Bielsa kind of did that as well. Like we oh, need yeah. to update this. Yeah. And, they're yeah. actually they're moving into a new space. I think this year or have or just recently yeah. moved into it in the last year. Leicester spent fifty million dollars on a facility. Yeah. I mean, ba- back in the nineties, Arsenal spent ten or twelve million, and mm-hmm. I think they've upgraded that since then. Liverpool just spent like a hundred million dollars on their facility, training facility. The idea being that. If you spend the money wisely in the youth, in the youth academies, like, you're not going to get 11 starters from, you're not going to have a Barcelona. Like no, that, no, no, no. Those Barcelona teams of, like, the late 2000, late 2000, early 2010s. There's a reason why they're legendary. Right? Yeah, that, that won't happen all the time. It's a very rare thing that happens. But you can have three or four guys, and you can don't have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars right. all of the time One to of them was make free. a team great. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're like, all right, and the thing is, is to connect your club with the youth, like someone yep. who's been there since 16 and plays till 35 is kind of a special thing. It's what makes like club soccer in, uh, in Europe so special. Who's the Italian guy that played for, uh, I think it was Roma for like 20 years. Oh, oh, Totti, yeah. yeah Francesco Totti, Totti yeah. yeah. He's a, he was another, he's a guy, I was thinking of, um, um, oh my goodness, there's so many, there's so many, oh, like Athletic Bilbao is famous for that. Yeah. They've got guys like One Club Player Award that guys who've been there like Iker Munayin okay he's a guy who's like a <laughs> midfielder forward sort of player he's been around forever he was yeah. like a guy who was touted to be like the next huge thing and he's still a very productive player but he's been yeah. at the club forever now yeah. you know he just settled in decided this is where he wanted to stay yeah and it's it's just really frustrating to yeah. watch sometimes because I think Newcastle could have that 
You know, you spend 30 or $40 million, even the New England Revolution, okay? The New England Revolution and the MLS are considered to be the joke of MLS most of the time, okay? They, <laughs> they never invested in players properly. And it's funny to say, because the Crafts own New England Revolution, who are, they own the Patriots, and, you know, you know what they've done over the last 20 years. You know, they... They've even say, spent $35 million on a new training facility because they realize the importance of building a youth product in a proper training facility for players to play on a regular basis. Yeah. It's it's very important, and the lack of investment is uh, troubling, <laughs> is a word for it, I guess. But it's just... It's... It's just... It feels really bad. Like, it just feels terrible. And this is without all of the gaslighting coming from the various, like, oh, I'll sell, and the various, like, uh, different promises that never come through. Or, more importantly, giving giving a Rafa Benitez. And then promptly, like, being like, oh, yeah, I'll do this for you, Rafa, and then never doing it. And, and then you lose Rafa, and then the fans are upset, and then it's like, oh. See, that's a gaslighting thing. Yeah. Right. You know. And then it's, oh, we'll keep you in the Premier League. Well, we're, we're going to yo-yo, and we'll get you back to the Premier League. It's like, cool. Uh, I'll sell the club. And that's the biggest one for me. It's been 10 years where the one of the top 20 most valuable soccer teams in the world has been for sale. And there have been a couple of serious, serious buyers. And yet somehow no one has ever managed to seal the deal. And and I don't I don't think it's because they don't want to. I think it's because Mike Ashley doesn't want to sell this club. Mike Ashley is making a, quite a bit of money off of a club that he really doesn't have to invest anything in. The club is profitable on its own. It it makes money. It it has money in its bank for things. It's not financially insolvent. It's not it owes Mike Ashley a <coughs> excuse me, $111 million that it will pay back when when it's sold. Like the club makes money on its own just by existing. It's one of the most profitable gates in the entire world. They sell out in the championship. 52,000 people will go to the matches. That's what the club is in that city. They will go there regardless. 50,000. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see just the mismanagement of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all of the promises um, that he's that he's broken, and all the things that he said he would do, you know, you, you can't help but think that, even even selling the club, you can't help but think that he's a guy who just legitimately only cares about the balance sheet on a regular basis, and the investment, and the investment specifically, the investment, and the the thing that bothers me so much is that. He, he is an, a very intelligent and smart businessman if you look at what he does. And yet, he's made a lot of money. He's made a lot of money, but you wonder sometimes if he could make even more money. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like the thing that he desires the most. It's very clear that's what he desires more than anything else. If he just spent a little time and a little effort or just put people in the place to do the job to make it as profitable as possible. You know, like making the proper investments and putting the right players and the right coaches in place on a consistent basis. All right, fine, I have to spend $50 million on a training facility. Okay, I don't want to, but I'll do it because if that means I keep a really good coach here and we get up to fourth or fifth and we play in the Champions League, that'll only make things easier for me. And I'll just need more money for me in the end. European then I can sell. Are intoxicating. Yeah, yeah, and I could sell <laughs> all of my players that year if I wanted to after it. And be like, right. fine, we finished fourth. You know what? We're gonna go back down to thirteenth, and we're gonna try to do it again. I know it would be a terrible thing, but that's how that's how he can make it look and make it work. And I think that's the problem that he's having right now is that I don't think he's ever he has figured that out yet. He, he and I don't think he's ever going to figure it out to be honest, because I think he's always in this thing of man, do I really want this club? I don't. And this is, if you ever look at relationships and how they work, this is one of those indecisive, like, sadly, one of those, these people who, you know, they're in a relationship and they love someone, but they, they're not in love with them anymore. Yeah. You know, because then they're always thinking about, they're always thinking about, like, oh, man, if I leave, maybe... They all, things go really horribly for them, and yeah. I and I I can't live with that. Instead of just thinking, you know what? If I let it go, maybe it will be the best thing. Maybe they'll go down, but maybe eventually they'll find the next person and come back up again. Right. And they'll be invested in properly by people who really care about the club, or pa- care about that person. You know, like it, it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those one of those situations. I think too, where I think Little he loves bit. the club, but he's not in love with the club so much as to put the time and investment needed to make it I, a club of the stature that it sh- that, that you know he is a local be. boy and, um, and the andy's a local <laughs> boy which is so frustrating you right. know like that's like it's it's difficult and uh, there's a larger conversation to be had about about ownership in sports um because i'd like to say that sports are are privately owned corporations trading in what is a a very public experience fandom of a sport Mm -hmm. and and this is where you run into trouble is is with situations like this or i'll throw out a couple of uh of things that have happened donald sterling type situations um which is which is clearly worse than this but like you run into this problem dan snyder in Washington, um, the Oyston uh, family at Blackpool. I don't know if anyone's heard that. You should go look it up. It's fascinating it's and terrible. Pretty and terrible. You just and a team that fought like the fans fought for their club back and won it back and earned it back. Um, I think of uh, Sunderland, the rival mm-hmm. to Newcastle. I mean, good grief! You you talk about bad. I mean, it go. It's only worse there in some instances. Oh my goodness! You know, and they're pretty French. Yeah, new boy. <laughs> you know, I think of you know like the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Cleveland yep. Browns for a long time. Uh, you know, basketball. Who else in basketball has been so terrible? Um, uh, the Chicago a, Chicago Bulls owner has uh, been really. Was it Jerry Reinsdorf? Is that his name? Uh, Reinsdorf. Yeah, yeah he owns the, the uh, White Sox as well, which is what he actually cares about. Is the White Sox? Yeah. They spend money there. They spend well. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's one of those other things too. Like, oh, we spend money. Huh? No, we yeah. don't. 
You know, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, forever. I mean, there's so many examples of like how bad it can be. New York yeah. Jets are another example. Yeah, I think they're terribly run, and Woody Johnson is a complete jerk. Yeah. You know, he's. Ugh, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like you, you really hope and you wish, and you go to these games and you and you watch every game on TV, and you hope that your team, you know, will compete, and then in the end. They never really had a chance because they weren't operating on the same level as everyone else. And they didn't want to. Right. And they didn't want to. They, they didn't want to put in the time and effort required to actually do that, which is part of like following a team is, is learning to accept that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, that's another badly run team. Yeah. And it, and it never gets better. Their greatest icon Kevin Garnett. Oh, God. Yeah, this story is horrendous. Kevin Garnett went back for like three months to mentor their young players and was like, I will never be involved with this franchise again because he was supposed to get like a, a minority uh, ownership, ownership stake. Yeah. 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 And they just, and they were like, we're not doing that. And he was like, you guys are garbage. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's terrible. When your owner doesn't care or is malicious or is literally one of the worst people on earth, in the case of Donald Sterling, um, like, it's just, it's so hard. There's no recovering from it. You can get the best players in the world, you can get the best coaches, and it's never going to work because your owner sucks and nobody really wants to work for him it's and that's the thing at Newcastle United specifically just kind of to bring it home this never gets better until Mike Ashley is gone and for all the conversations about Saudi money Amanda Stavely the club being for sale for sale for a decade now Mike Ashley isn't going to sell this club unless it no longer makes money and it's going to have to do a lot to no longer make money. I I think the bottom has to fall out on this. I don't think that there's... You're, you're saying, like, multiple relegations. I'm saying Sunderland. League 2. It, it, league 1, League 2. League 1, League 2. No investment in the club. No investment. Like, he will strip it of all of its assets, I think, is, is how it will go. When it stops, probably about $200 million when it is only valued at like 200 million or something like that and he can get someone who actually like isn't like can afford the 300 million or whatever it will be because you have to pay back the loan to the club like when you when he gets someone who can do that and he isn't asking for 500 million i think maybe it might get sold but but until then yeah i think this is just how it's gonna be it's it's a money-making venture from a man who's really good at making money. And I don't think that's how sports should be. I think sports are I think sports are an art, which is something I will defend. I will defend to the death. You can you can write letters to me, you can tweet me, you can whatever you want. Sports are an expression of passion and feeling just as much as a paintbrush or putting words to paper, or talking into the mi- this microphone. And I think that that's important. And I think that 
bad ownership specifically shines a spotlight on the fact that ownership of that is kind of a risky and delicate situation to begin with. I I did want to end with uh, with a quote um, from someone who also had been lied to by Mike Ashley. Um, <laughs> Talk about gaslighted. <laughs> Kevin Keegan. And uh, it's, don't ever give up on your club. Keep supporting it. It's your club, and trust me, one day you will get your club back, and it will be everything you wanted it to be. Castle, Castle, Castle.